And um, I want to salute all the moms with little ones that make it to church in spite of all the challenges. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's plenty of them. I won't go into all the challenges that you moms face. Uh, but, but I'll tell you what, some moms, and especially when the, the kids are really, really little, like the infant to toddler stage, uh, you spend so much time in nursery that you may question, why am I even coming to church? Any of you moms ever felt that way? All right. Uh, okay, thank you for not raising your hands. Okay. Um, <laughs> But, but you understand what I mean, and uh, I just want to say thank you, because your faithfulness leaves a mark on those kids. Eventually, they'll be as big as Joe, and, and, and <laughs> or maybe not, I don't know, uh, but, but they will get older, and you know what they'll say? I, church was a place I was, I was brought all the time, and it laid a foundation in my life, so thank you for doing that. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse number 10, Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally, my brethren, he's a... I love this. <laughs> well, we say, why, I love, why do you love this, preacher? Because when you go through Paul's writings, he'll say, finally, and then 20 verses later, he's still talking, right? <laughs> so he's a, good, he's a good Baptist pastor, right? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not your power. Amen. It's his, all right? Uh, uh, John the Baptist says, uh, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. Right. Um, and the only way to get filled with him is to get empty of you. Uh, look at verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now you may go, preacher, why are we reading this every single time? I pray that maybe at least half of a verse sticks in your mind and heart by the time this is all done. All right. Uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Those are spiritual uh, hierarchy and governments, if you will, uh, satanic, uh, against God. Look what it says, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you uh, learn anything from the Old Testament, even if you are a student of archaeology and history, what you find out is, uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, the Aztecs, what did they do? The Egyptians, what did they do? You'll find those structures in China. You say, why is that? Because most pagan religions had this, this thought that we can just go up. Genesis chapter 11, Tower of Babel. If we can just get up there higher, we can reach God. The, the weird thing is, when you get on higher ground, but God's not in it, you start touching supernatural stuff, but it's not good. So the Lord's talking about spiritual wickedness in high places. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. There it is again. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. We talked about how this is going to take some effort, all right, in, in, in order for you to do that, in order for you to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We talk about how truth is what holds everything up. Having on the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Talked about how your feet should be prepared to go and, and give the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever you go. And above all, watch this, look at verse 16, taking the shield of faith Wherewith you shall be able to take the fiery, uh, uh, quench all the fiery darts of the devil, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, uh, to delve into this subject again. Lord, we ask for your help, and Lord, we need it. Uh, we are needy people, Lord, we, uh, we cannot do this without you. And God, I just pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, to isolate our thoughts, isolate our hearts, isolate our minds. Lord, away from the, the things of this world. And uh, there's plenty out there to distract us, Lord. I, I know this. There are some Christians who just barely made it, Lord, and they are tired and they're exhausted. And, 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 and Lord, uh, they fought just to get here. Lord, I pray you would fill their cup. Lord, we ask for your help. And we ask for, Lord, I do pray. If there's anyone here, by chance, that isn't saved, they don't know what it means to be born again. Lord, uh, I, I pray they get saved tonight. And Lord, I pray that your people would be edified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Let me just say this. I, I, I can read, so I don't want you to think that I forgot about the shield of faith, uh, but I, I want to talk about this tonight simply because of some things that I see uh, in patterns of behavior in Christians. Uh, and listen, after 20 years of ministering to Christians, uh, there's some things that you see over and over and over and over and over. Every person here tonight is unique. But after a while, what you learn is there are some things that kind of are, are salient, if you will. They kind of stick out in regards to issues that Christians have. And so he talks about the helmet of salvation. And in that, let me just say this. I did a little bit of research, and it was funny. When you go online, let me just say this much. Just because it's on Google doesn't mean it's right. All right, so if you go to Google and go, when were the first helmets used in battles? 
Google's going to tell you that the Greeks were the first ones. You give me any word, I tell you it comes from Greek, right? The Greeks were the first ones to invent the helmet and use the helmet. Can I say this? That's not true. Uh, If you go back to 1 Samuel 17, the Bible is a history book. And it's the most accurate history book on the planet. It goes all the way back to the beginning. And the Bible tells us that the first mention of a helmet is actually from a heathen man named Goliath. And then in that same chapter, it talks about how Saul tries to put his armor on David, and David puts on this helmet made of brass to go out and fight Goliath. So, so we know it wasn't the Greeks. We know that it was there before all that. Uh, but, but, but what you need to understand is this. The helmet is important. It protects a pretty important part of your body. And I don't mean to be funny when I say this. Look, uh, I'm not saying anyone wants to lose an arm. My dad uh, went to Vietnam, went to Persian Gulf, has friends that came back differently than how they went. Uh, but you can't live without an arm. You can't live without a foot. You can't live even, uh, God forbid, without your eyes and, and without your hearing and a number of things. But you cannot survive without your head. The head's kind of an important deal. <laughs> I mean, you kind of need that, amen? Uh, Your head is a very important uh, 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 part of your body, and with it, God does some amazing things. But let me say this as well. The devil wants your head. The devil wants to get to you. say, why? Because he wants to get to your mind. Now, you may remember the story of a a man named Abimelech in the book of Judges. Maybe you haven't read that yet, but if if you've read your Bible through, you might remember the story, and and, and the story goes like this. He's he's an interesting character in the Bible, and and when you read the book of Judges, uh, here's the theme of Judges. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing, making up the rules as they go, and as they do that, you know what the result is? Utter chaos. (laughs) Essentially, kind of like what you're seeing going on in society today. When you get rid of God and final authority and everyone's doing their own thing, anything goes and everything's a mess, all right? And and so basically in the book of Judges, that's what's going on. This man, Abimelech, is fighting this battle and he gets a little little ahead of himself. He gets a little, uh, I would say, uh, uh, maybe a little too zealous and he rams into the, the, the gate or the door of this city wall and, and pays no attention to what's going on above him. And let me just say this right now. You better pay attention to what's going on above you spiritually. Uh, he gets there and he gets to that door and he's not thinking anything about it. T- try to take a battering ram to it. And you know what happens? Some old lady, I mean, this is literally how the story goes. Some old lady looks over the walls of that city, grabs a stone, drops it, and here's this mighty warrior and bam, he's dead. And he goes, he goes, he basically says, you know what, uh, take out your sword and, and then kill me because I don't want to say that some woman killed me in battle. That's basically what he does. You say, what's the problem? His head was unprotected. As a matter of fact, you know that's such a story that it, it's not only something that takes place uh, at that moment, but hundreds of years later, David and Joab, when David's trying to cover up the whole thing with Bathsheba, and he sends a letter by the hand of Uriah, uh, you know what Joab says? Uh, he says, uh, uh, don't get angry that we were too close to the wall, because I know what happened with Abimelech. He even referenced that hundreds of years later. So this is a story that people kind of knew. In other words, there's some lessons you can get out of that. Uh, number one, protect your head. When you get in the car, we you know one of the first things you do, you put on a seatbelt. Uh, listen, when you get on a plane, they tell you to put your seatbelt on. This is kind of like the seatbelt, but for your mind. And, and let me just say what we're going to talk about tonight it has a lot to do, not so much with the organ of the brain. And, and let me just say this much. I think it's one of the areas where if you're not careful as a Christian, you'll rely a little too heavily on philosophy, worldly philosophy, and psychology to fill in the gaps of your life rather than what the Word of God says. And let me just say this. I'm not saying everything that psychologists say is wrong, but I will say this. They can't deal with the real you. How can you help someone if you can't even define what they are? That book tells you you're a body, a soul, and a spirit. And and so if you don't even understand what it is you're made of, how can you help somebody? Listen, when it comes to the mind, we're not talking about the brain, the organ that says, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm hungry. We're talking about something that's way beyond that. Something that God says you should protect. Something that God says you should keep clean. Something that God says matters a lot in his perspective. Something that the world says, you know what? It doesn't matter what's there. You can put whatever you want in there. It'll have no consequences. And that's a lie. (laughs) Whatever comes in here eventually will work its way out into your life through your hands and your feet. So you know what God says? God says, put some protection on there. Listen, I'm a kid from the 80s, and we had no helmets when we skateboarded. We didn't have helmets when we rode bikes. I mean, that's just how it was. 
And now I see grown men in their 40s, you know, on a bicycle, you know, with the helmet, you know. I'm not judging them. It's probably smart to do it. I'm just saying when I grew up, we didn't really have that. We didn't really do it. it listen, in the NFL, you know what they're trying to do? Make sure that no one gets too hurt. You get a sport where people are running 30 miles an hour at each other. How are you not going to get hurt? How are you not going to get concussion? I mean, it's going to happen, right? But they're trying to protect. And they even got these special helmets that you wear during practice, and they got, like, pillow padding on top of the helmet. Why? Because, man, you can break your leg, you can break your foot, but, man, you break this, and you're done. Apply that spiritually. And God says, take the helmet of salvation. Do you know what I see with most Christians? You know what I've come to believe is some of the biggest issues in your life? You know what they're connected with? Your thoughts. I can tell you this, you can get rid of the alcohol, you can get rid of the, 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 the smoking weed, you can get rid of getting rid of the drugs, you can get rid of all this, but man, if you don't guard this and you don't protect this, you're done. <laughs> and it's amazing the lengths to which we go in the physical realm, in the, the realm of health and protecting the body, but when it comes to your mind spiritually, it's kind of like, well, whatever. Let me tell you something right now. If there's no filter on this and you let whatever is out there come in here, you're in trouble. <laughs> You've got to learn to guard it. Listen, the moral of the story is it, no one is more responsible for this than you are as a believer. Uh, you know, there's a story about Ahab talking about battles, just thinking about battles in the Bible, in the Old Testament. I know sometimes you read your Bible and you're like, oh, this guy died and then this guy took over. And you read through your Old Testament, like, God, why does it even matter? Read those stories, they matter. <laughs> All right, Th those things are important. They are critical. And there's a story about a man named Ahab. And you know, Ahab is a very wicked king. The Bible says in the last battle that he was at, and oh, by the way, uh, right before he went to that battle, he refused to listen to the preacher that God sent his way. Micah, you might remember that story where Ahab goes, I want a preacher to tell us if we're going in the right direction. And they all get up and they go, you are wonderful. You know, dun, dun, da, da, dun, da, da. We can do it. Dun, dun, shh. Dun, dun, shh. We will, right? They're all getting excited. And, you can do it. You go, king, you go. You're the best. And then and the, other, the other king that's there, Judah, goes, hey, is this, is this really like all you've got for church? Like, is, does anyone ever tell you anything you don't want to hear? Well, there is this one guy, but I hate him. <laughs> and he's in jail right now. You remember that? And then he goes, and, and they, they let Micah out, and he preaches, and nobody likes him, and you know, the guy slaps him, and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, uh, 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 the king of Judah uh, and the, the king of Israel, Ahab, they go into this battle. And the Bible says this. This is interesting. That, that, that there was a man who's unnamed from the other army who pulled his, bow, his, his arrow back. And the Bible says he threw his, uh, uh, shot his bow, or shot his arrow, at a, drew his bow at a venture. In other words, he didn't even have a target. He's just going like this. And you know what the Bible says? I mean, what a coinkadink, right? That arrow landed right in the joint of the harness of that armor. In the one spot that was unprotected. And it killed Ahab. You say, why does that matter? Because all it takes is one spot to be unprotected. And let me tell you right now, your mind, I know the old, the old saying, the mind's a terrible thing to waste. It's a terrible thing to get cluttered up with junk that God doesn't want in there. And listen, 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 God wants you to understand the, the importance. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. You know what the Lord decided to do? He decided to make the battle between himself and the devil a, a fair fight. Now, you may not understand what I mean by that. I'm going to explain it by the end of the message. But look at Genesis chapter 3. Look, if you would, at verse number 15. Genesis 3, verse 15. You know, this is the Lord again speaking to the, the serpent and the woman. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed, the devil's seed, the Antichrist, and her seed, the seed of, uh, is Jesus Christ. We understand that. The virgin birth. Look at this. It, the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy what? So you know what the devil, you know what the devil knows? He knows that you are a child of God. You are a son of God. And you make up, if you're a born-again believer today, you make up the bride of Christ. And someday, you're going to be coming back with the Lord to establish the kingdom on this earth. And he knows what's going to happen. It's going to be his head that's trampled on. Amen. <laughs> so you know, what, you know what he wants to do in the meantime? He wants to, just like the, with the feet, he wants to get to your head. He wants to play with your mind. You know what happened with some Christians? I mean, it's an amazing thing. I've watched Christians come to church. They start growing. They start uh, learning things from the Word of God. Uh, the Lord starts working their life. They start changing. And then somewhere along the way, someone says something. Maybe they're having a bad day. They hear it a certain way. And all of a sudden, they're gone. You don't know where they went for three months. And all it was was something that someone said. And it was played over and over in their mind. And they took it a certain way. And the devil had a heyday with that. 
I've learned that most Christians have the trouble that they have because of their head, not because of everybody else. And not even because of the world by itself. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to attack the headship of the family, <laughs> the headship of, of the church. He wants to go after the head. Listen, if you can get to the head, you got to the rest of the body. Can I talk to you about the priority of the helmet? That head represents government, represents the part of the body that's visible, represents the center of thoughts in your mind. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You know, when Paul is talking about giving, and, and don't get nervous, the message is not about giving, all right? Uh, and by the way, if you're a Bible believer, you should never get nervous anyways. If it's in the Bible, you should want to know about it. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but I know people, I know how people are today, and they get nervous, you start talking about giving, you know, I went, I, and look, in all fairness, I remember going to a church, I think I mentioned this recently, here in Denver, years ago, and 30 minutes of announcements was about what they needed money-wise for, for the church, and I'm going to tell you right now, when you're visiting a church for the first time, and you get that taste in your mouth, you don't always want to go back. But you're not here. That's not where you're at tonight at New Heights Baptist Church. If you do learn about giving here, it's because we want you to learn what the Bible says about it. And when Paul talks about it, it's an interesting statement that Paul makes in regards to moving towards action. He starts not so much with the wallet or not so much with your hands, but with your mind. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look if you would at verse number 12. For if there first be a willing what? It is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. You, you know what he's saying? Look, look in so many words, <laughs> listen, it, God is not going to judge you based on what you don't have. Uh, he's going to basically judge on what you do have. But you know where it starts? With a willing mind. If you're going to do any, whatever it is you're going to do, good or evil, it's going to start in your mind. And you know what I've learned? Look, I know I'm, no, uh, I'm definitely no uh, Dr. Rutman. I'm not going to be able to do any chalk talks. This, my friends, is a head, Okay. All right, don't laugh. All right, don't, why are you laughing, man? Okay, all right, that's fair. It, it's funny. It's, th this is the heart, right? This is the head. But you know what eventually happens? You go, oh, pastor, I thought the heart is the seat of emotions, and I thought that's where, you know, the, uh, the Bible talks about the thoughts of a man's heart, and it does. But you know where those, hearts, those thoughts first start? It comes in here. And you know what eventually happens? It comes in here, and then you start scheming right here. Or you start planning right here. Or you start, you know, manipulating right here. And then eventually, there's overflow. And whatever you fill this with, eventually kind of blah, 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 comes out of here. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And those words turn eventually, the more you speak and hear about something, the more you eventually start moving that direction. Before you know it, you start doing that thing. And you know what you tell yourself? I'll just do it once. It'll just be one time. And those things become habits. Are you getting this right now? And those habits eventually turn into your character, and it becomes your life. Where did it all start? Right here. It starts with the head. Then it works its way here. Then it works its way here. And before you know it, this and this and this are involved, and you're moving a direction in your life. You say what? Based off of your thoughts. The Bible says if there be first a willing mind. God looks at what's going on in there because that is the, 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 the very initiation of what eventually goes into your heart and works through your life. The Bible says a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But before that thought forms in the heart, it has to come through the filter. And the problem today is this, the filter has been clogged. And, and Christians, man, they scroll through garbage and they listen to garbage and they laugh at garbage. And it's no wonder that the next generation has no regard for holiness because the filter's not working. And we think, well, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. <laughs> what, what we do right now, let me tell you right now, what you do in moderation, the next generation is going to do in excess. So Christian, let me tell you right now, your thoughts matter. Now over there in Acts, the Bible says the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. You know, Peter also says he, he wants to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You know what Peter was saying? I can stir you up to good or to evil. Right. And when I do that, you know what I'm speaking to? I'm speaking to this right here. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you're pretty close. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse number uh, 10. Verse number 10. Uh, is this what I want? This looks good, but I'm not sure this is it. Uh, no, so yeah, there it is. Look at verse, I'm sorry, look at verse number 
uh, one. Now, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, Paul's got an issue with the Corinthian church, and he's trying to iron these things out. Look what he says in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? For the weapons of our warfare, there it is again, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Casting down what? One more time. Imaginations. Imaginations, Every high thing that exalted itself. You You know what he's saying? Look, if you are going to win spiritually and you are going to win emotionally, some of the greatest discipline that has to be exercised in your life starts right here. It's something as simple as I'm not going to think that. Oh no, pastor, I had to think about it. No, you choose to think about what you think about. You, you, and then you lie to yourself and say, oh no, someone said something and it made me think about it. Well, the moment it made you think about it, you go, that doesn't line up with scripture. That's not right. That's not what God wants me to dwell on. I want to pull that down. Why? Because if I don't listen, if I don't learn to cast it down right away, eventually it grows in my life and I got to find a way to pull it down. It's a whole lot easier to cast it down when it's small than to pull it down when it gets big. Those imaginations, and I know we've been through this before, but those imaginations, listen, Christian, that comes from this word right here. It comes from the word image. And you know what uh, you're warned of all throughout your Bible? Don't bow before an image. Don't worship any image. You know why? Because, man, the old saying is this. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. And ever since then, man's been trying to return the favor. In other words, I want to make a God in my image. And so, so you, know, you know what, I was just doing this with the kids today, learning about history, talking about the Egyptians, and there was a certain pharaoh that said, no, we're not going to worship all these gods, we're just going to worship one god. And man, they hated that pharaoh. They got rid of him as soon as they could. Why? Because we like to worship all the gods. You say, why? These images mean something to us. They represent, now look, I know, I know right now, I'm talking to born-again believers, and you guys don't, you know, have images in your house, you don't bow down to them, you don't light incense to them, all right? You have different images you worship. Sure you do. The images you scroll through all the time. And let's be honest, sometimes you know who you have to watch out worshiping for? The image that's looking back at you in the mirror. Amen. You, know, the, the, you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, look, there's a battle that began way back in the garden, and it's not going to get finished until the end. We're going to talk about that toward the end of the message. But you know what the battle goes back to in large part? Whose image are you going to follow? What image are you going to take? It has to do with identity in so many words. And you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to make an image like unto himself that the whole world worships. It's called the Antichrist. You learn about that in Revelation 13. And you know what Jesus, you know what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ in you when you get saved? That he is the image of the invisible God. And what God wants to do, from the day you got saved, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. In other words, every day that God is working your life, he's trying to shape and mold you more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. You know what the real question is? It's not just WWJD. It's WWJT. What would Jesus think? Because what Jesus did, he thought first. And you have to learn to have learn to say, Lord, I don't want my own mind, my own carnal mind, and looking at things through my own carnal sight. Lord, I want to look at things. Listen, when you look at a lost person, you, you oftentimes see you see someone that has a a Tesla and they look rich and they got money. So I won't talk to them because I just I won't get anywhere with them. And God says you need to talk to them. And you go, No, I won't talk to them. I'm gonna go find someone that's more like me. And God goes, That's your problem. You look at things through your eyes, not mine. You know what that is? Lord, I want to take your image on. Well, the only way for me to take your image on is to make sure that the images that I have in my mind, and I'm not just saying this to, uh, to, to, to pick on the young men. I'm trying to say this to help them out, but young men, let me tell you right now, images that you put in your eyes will go to your mind, and they will defile your mind, and they'll mess up your heart, and they'll ruin your life. You better be real careful with the images. And you know what? I have no problems. I, I love it when someone comes to church and says, Pastor, I just wish you wouldn't mention these things by name, and it just makes it uncomfortable. Let me tell you what's more uncomfortable. The fact that people think they can hide it. That makes it worse. Let me tell you right now. God wants to bring this stuff out in the light and go, hey, it's ugly, it's evil, it's gross. Don't look at pornography, young men. It'll mess your mind up. It'll mess your life up. You'll start to look at women as objects. And you'll start to think, listen, when you get into marriage, let me tell you right now, she's a person and she thinks she's not just a piece of meat. 
And that stuff will mess you up so bad. You know what God wants? He wants a clean mind. And if you're not careful, you'll put junk in your mind. You go, Pastor, I just, it's uncomfortable. Now, listen, I, I love it when people say that when they come to church and they go home and watch people make out in the movies in their living room. And like, it's no big deal. And I'm the one that makes you uncomfortable? Come on, man. Get with it. You want to talk about being real? This is real. How about you clean your mind up? Let me tell you something right now. It's important. Some of these young men go out and they preach on the streets, and I have a lot of respect for that. I love seeing young men get on fire for God. But let me tell you right now, that's not what's going to clean you up. That's going to hold your feet to the fire. You know what's going you know to make you ready to go out and do your job the right way, young men? Having a clean mind. And can I say this as well? Maybe having a, a decluttered mind as well. Let me tell you something. You see me go, right now, so we go, yeah, pornography, bad. Image is bad. Yeah, you're right, preacher. Get on to them. All right. Well, let me ask you this. How cluttered is your mind? Your mind's Man, by the time I've gone through two points, you've been through, you know, uh, all over the place. Like, what time am I having to go to that appointment tomorrow? And, and there's something wrong with the car. He says something about a helmet. I, I got to put one on my son. He's in sports. Uh, I got to sign him up for basketball. Boom, 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 boom. You see what's wrong? Your mind's cluttered. You know why oftentimes I'll say it over and over and over on Sunday morning, hey, let's be still? Anxious feet are the result of an anxious mind. And, and you know why a lot of times people kind of get all, you know what that is? It's cluttered up here. And you've got so much stuff in here that God can't get through. You know, the problem is you're not wearing your helmet. You know, preacher, I wish you'd explain what that helmet is. I'm going to get to it. But let me just say this. I need you to understand the priority, the priority of putting on white because your head's exposed. You know they tell people in battle? Hey, man, you don't stick your head up. If you're in a ditch and there's a firefight going on, you don't go, hey, what's over there? You can get your head blown off. You know what they tell you? They tell you to stay low. There's a lesson in humility there. You know what else they tell you? Protect your head. You don't get up without that helmet on. You don't leave and go out and fight the battles that are before you without putting that helmet on. That helmet's important. You say, why? Because your mind is constantly being exposed to things that God says are against his spirit. The spiritual warfare is real, and if you're going to win it, it's going to be won prim uh, primarily, first and foremost, in your mind. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 13. Let me illustrate it this way. 2 Samuel chapter 13. Is this making sense? Yeah. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 13. You ever catch yourself? Let me give you an example. And I've, I've mentioned this in a roundabout way in a different way recently, but God blesses someone, and they have something you don't have. Your first thought is, and the Lord says, don't think that way. The Lord says to rejoice with them that rejoice. And you're going through a hard time. Look, we all have seasons of life, and, and, and you're in a season that kind of has you in the dumps. And you're looking at someone else live their best life. First off, you don't know what's really going on in their life. Right. Number one. Number two, let's say that things are really going well for them and they're a born-again child of God. You know what you ought to be able to say? Praise the Lord. That's not easy, though, is it? You know why? Because by nature, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. By nature, you go, well, how come? And your mind, You know what that is right here? That's this. And if you don't train this to do, listen, isn't it interesting that people will pay all kinds of money to go to a, a gym and have a physical trainer, physical trainer, and tell them you've got to lift this and you've got to do this and so many circuits of this and, and you've got to eat this and you got to, and there's nothing wrong with that, that's fine. But then when it comes to the spiritual realm, it's kind of like, well, Lord, I'm not getting anything from your word. Maybe it's because of this right here. What are you doing to discipline this and to align it with how God wants you to think? Listen, th the helmet's important because if you're not careful, you will think about something so long and so hard. You might even say this, I shouldn't do that. 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 No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't do that. Let me tell you something right now. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help you long term. You better fill it with something better than that. Right, let me give you an example of this. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 13. I know some of you are very familiar with the story. It's a tragic story about a young man that ends up forcing himself, raping his half-sister. And you go, I can't believe a, a story like that's in the Bible. It's there as a warning. 
You say, well, what are we going to look at? Look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Look at verse 1. It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And, and it mentions Absalom by name because of what happens later. And, and notice this other son of David, Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister. Uh, we call that lovesick. For she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard. Now watch this. He thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But you know what the problem was to begin with? He kept thinking, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that. Instead of saying, why is that thought there? Why am I allowing that thought to dwell in my mind and seep in there and eventually work its way in my heart? You know what eventually happens? It comes out of his mouth. Look at verse number three. But Amnon had a friend. Every one of us has someone in our lives, and sometimes Amnon is the other side of us. That tells us whatever we want to hear to justify whatever it is that we've been dwelling on in our minds. You say, where does this end? It ends up with him being dead and her innocence being lost. You say, why? Because of how he was thinking. How he was thinking. You, you, may, you may or may not remember the story of Hezekiah and how Hezekiah was healed of his disease and, and the Babylonians, uh, you, some of you may remember this, some of you may not, that's fine. Uh, the, the Babylonians sent an, an ambassador. They sent some ambassadors from Babylon. They, they came in and when he was sick, he showed them his entire house. All the gold, all the, all the, 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 the work of the temple and the, the, the beautiful brass and the silver and the gold, all the work that was in there, he, he said, this is everything. And, and later on, the prophet comes up and says, hey, what did you show those guys? He said, I showed them everything. You see, what is that? It's a picture of just opening yourself up to people and the things in your life that don't need to be opened up to. He opened himself so wide. You know what ends up happening? They come back, and it's not in his day, they come back when it's his son on the throne. They come back later and they take everything out of that temple and they take everything out of that house. You say, why? He showed them things. Let me just say this. Let me maybe help you out a little bit this way. You need to have a filter on this and the only one that should know what's going on in here in certain moments of your life is God himself. Amen. Through your confession to him. God, this is not where it ought to be. Would you help me? Let me tell you something. You need to protect your head. Uh, look at Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Can I say this? The, the, the personal responsibility involved in this, it's all you. God gives us all the armor. He, listen, he died and made us, uh, he has chosen us to be his soldiers, amen? He's, asked, he's invited us to be a part of his warfare. And whether you like it or not, when you get saved, you are drafted in the greatest army that's never lost an eternal battle, amen? In the end, the good guys win, right? And, and so uh, what, what I want you to understand is this. God says, I'll provide everything. All you have to do is put it on. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Let me just say this. You do have control over what you think about. You do have control over what goes on in your mind. And if you want to know what the greatest checklist in the Bible is for what ought to happen in your mind, it's right here in Philippians chapter 4. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse This is midweek Bible what? So we're just going from scripture to scripture, just looking things up. Look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing. <laughs> Anybody here have any, ang I have anxiety. <laughs> Anybody here have some stress in their life? Right, he says be careful for nothing, all right? In other words, don't be full of care. Don't, don't allow your mind to be overwhelmed with this, but in everything by prayer. What about tomorrow? What about this? What about the nuclear war? And what about the economy? And, and what about my job? And, and what about my family? And what about this next step I'm going to take? And, what and the Lord's just like, hey, hey, why don't you just think about what's happening today? I, I somehow remember our Savior saying something like this. Take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient to the days of evil there. In other words, you've got enough in your basket to worry about today. And listen, let's just take this to the Lord day by day. Let's allow him to deal with this instead of us being overwhelmed with this care. Look what he says. Uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. <laughs> in other words, you know what will combat a lot of the anxiety that you have? Stop and just be grateful for what you already have. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God. Who wants the peace of God? Right? I do. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and what? But, but he's going to give you the blueprint for how to do it. You see, it's not automatic. It's not just like, I'm saved, God's going to keep me in peace, and that's all there is to No, 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 look at verse number eight. Finally, my brethren, right? And he's, he's kind of lying again because he talks for like 20 more verses. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? I don't know, but I heard. Well, maybe you shouldn't have heard. 
whatsoever things are, are, are honest. Hey, are, is this like kind of manipulating the story? Is this kind of stretching it a little bit? Whatsoever things are just. What, whatever lines up with the character of God, whatsoever things are pure. If it's not pure, it doesn't go in there. Can, can, I, can I tell you one of the things right now, and I know I keep talking about it and hitting on it, but I'm telling you, it's ruining Christians' lives. You spend too much time online. Some, I have Christians sometimes that they come and, and they're overwhelmed with anxiety and they're overwhelmed with anxiety because of what they're reading online. You spend that much time in the Bible, you won't be anxious. Amen. Isn't it amazing how when you read your Bible, even when God is convicting you of sin and you come to God and you go, okay, Lord, that's what I needed. Thank you so much. You don't walk away all full of anxiety and all jittery like you drank 20 cups of coffee. You do that after you watch CNN, Fox News, you know, been on whatever your favorite YouTube, you know, conspiracy person is and, and listen to all the geopolitical stuff. You will ruin your mind that way. God never intended, listen, he gave you a book. You might live in a generation that doesn't want to read. Get in that book. Man, it'll clean you up. You know what's amazing about the Bible? There's all these stories. That, let's be honest. Some of those stories, if you try to make a movie out of them, they'd be rated R. And it would like mess you up. But somehow when you read it, and the Spirit of God bears witness to it, your mind's not defiled. Isn't that amazing? That's a testimony to the cleanness and purity of that book. You know what I'm encouraging you to do? I'm encouraging you to brainwash yourself. <laughs> I love when someone goes, you've been brainwashed. And I'm like, I've been brainwashed. Amen. I've been brainwashed? Are, are you watching the kids walk through the schools saying, you know, Palestine, we free Palestine, all this kind of stuff? I saw a sign that said, this is a truth. I saw a sign and I thought, who is that dumb? It says reproductive uh, health is free Palestine. No sense at all. You know what that is? That's a generation that's been brainwashed. Whatever the, the token cliche words are, I'm just going to put those on a banner, and I'm one of them too. Listen, if you're going to get brainwashed, you might as well get brainwashed if someone's going to help you out. Amen. And that book will do it. He says, what sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What are you thinking about? Is it pure? Is it lovely? You start having a problem with another Christian. Is your mind thinking lovely about them? <laughs> See, there's some things you can get rid of like that when you first get saved. You know what's going to be a struggle for you for the rest of your life? Boom. As a matter of fact, you know what it says about charity? Charity thinketh no evil. If you're always looking for like, huh, I wonder what they meant by that. I, I just said hi. I meant nothing but hi. <laughs> you know what the problem is? The, the problem is this. And, and you, the filter's off. What sort of things are of good report? You know, if you talk about Jesus, it's, all, it's always a good report. Amen. What sort of things are of good report? If there be any virtue, that's moral goodness. And if there be any praise, look at the last four words there. Do, do you know what uh, uh, those kids, you kids that are in language, doing language and grammar, all right, there's declarative sentences, then there's imperative, right, there's the exclamatory, all right, any, any grammar nerds here? Come on now, raise your hands, I'm with, okay, we got none, great, oh, wonderful, okay, <laughs> except for me, this is really lonely right now, all right, all right, so, so when you make an imperative statement, do you know what that is? There's an implied subject. You know the implied subject is? You. If I say, carry the, ba the basket, and I'm pointing to him, that means you carry the basket. When God says, think on these things, you know the subject is? You. Think on the... He would never tell you to do something you can't do. Now, the only way to do it the right way is through the, the, the power of the Spirit of God, leaning to, uh, on Jesus Christ and learning to walk in the Spirit and not in your flesh. No doubt. I'm not taking away from the fact you need His power to do it, but I'm going to tell you something. You can do this. When you are thinking dirty and when you are thinking evil of others and when you're thinking the worst and when you're thinking jealousy and when you're thinking selfish, you know what that is? That's you thinking the way your flesh wants you to think. Instead of saying, God, this is off, and I'm not thinking the right way. You see, what you try to do is you try to say, well, I, no, I can't think that way. No, I shouldn't think that way. You know what the real thing you got to do is say, Lord, I want to fill this 
with something that matches that list? Lord, would you give me something lovely to think about? Would you give me something that's honest and true and of good report that's virtuous? Man, and you know what God will do? He will supply that thought. He will give that to you when you need it the most desperately. The question is, are you asking? Listen, nobody else can do this for you but you. I I can tell you, and I can tell you where the armor's at, I can tell you what the armor is, but if you're not willing to say, Lord, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, as the old song goes. Uh, Listen, uh, there are some lost people that have this concept down. I'm talking about lost people people that don't have the don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Here's what some of them said. Our life always expresses the result of our dominant thoughts. That's a lost guy. How about this? You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You'll be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. I have always thought the actions of men the best interpreters of their thoughts. That's true. Now, back in 1945, here in Colorado, anybody know where fruit? I think it's fruita. That's how it's, is that how it's pronounced? Fruita, right? Okay, some, it's a, a farming community. Back in 1945, there was a, a farmer uh, here in Colorado. I forget the guy's name. Uh, but, but he was butchering, you know, so many chickens. And you know, you know where that starts, right? <coughs> starts with the head. And there was this one chicken that after they cut the head off, this chicken lived for 18 months. No head. Now, you know what some of you are doing? See, preacher, we don't need our... No, no, you ain't... <laughs> you aren't a chicken, okay? You're made to be an eagle and fly up there, all right? So, so if, if you're not a chicken, you know what that means? You better hold on to what God's given you. <laughs> you better hold on to your head. <laughs> now, I'll say this much. The Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. Uh, look at First Timothy chapter 2, Bible study moment for you. Not every time that the word saved shows up is it a reference to the salvation of your soul. And and I want you to see that. Now, when we say, generally speaking, are you saved, what we mean is this, are you a born-again, heaven-bound, spirit-filled child of God? Has there ever been a point in your life, not where you were religious or you're raised in a Christian home or, or my, your dad was a deacon or a pastor or whatever else, none of that stuff, or you were baptized as a baby, none of that stuff, but rather you came to a point where you understood in, with you, within your own conscience as a person, you understood you had sinned against God, you had broken God's law, and because of that, there was a punishment for that sin, and that punishment is a place called hell. Not that God wants you to go. He loved you so much, he died so you wouldn't go, Amen. Right? And you realize that, and you said, I'm going to turn from my own righteousness. I'm not going to rely on church membership or baptism or any of the other stuff on the list that people make up, and I'm going to turn to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to ask him to save my soul. That's what we mean when we say, are you saved? But let's be honest with you. Let's be honest about this. In the Bible, not every time the word saved shows up is it a reference to the salvation of your soul. Sometimes it's a different kind of salvation. You realize you could be saved from trouble. All right, look, look at First Timothy chapter 2. Look, if you would, at verse number 15. I just want to illustrate this. And, and, and let me just say this right now. We are not going to teach a new doctrine that goes like this. Uh, if you're pregnant, that means you're saved. Okay? Right? That, but that's how some people might interpret this, that they don't understand that the word saved in your Bible is not always a reference to your soul. Look at First Timothy chapter 2, and look, if you would, at verse number 15. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Look at verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Ladies, this is not a knock at you. Uh, this is simply try, what Paul's trying to get at is there are certain times, and I'm going to be real careful right now because I, I, I see that, that I'm not, the, uh, you know, we're, guys, we might be outnumbered here, right? But <laughs> there are certain times when you are going to be, ladies, a little bit easier to uh, maybe be emotionally driven. Ladies, please help me out. The quietness is killing me. It's making it worse. Just nod, say, man, do something, man. All right? And, and, so, and so, you know, having a baby or ha- being pregnant is one of those times, right? You've got a rush of hormones going on. It's very easy. You know, I remember that, you know, I said something one time to Lacey, ah! and I was like, I was like, oh, hey, Bella, you need to talk to mom. <laughs> like, like that's, that, that's a real thing, gentle, young men. That's a real thing, all right? And don't say something stupid like, what's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong with you. She's got a human living inside of her. <laughs> All right? And, and so, listen, when you're pregnant, that's one of those times. There's other times as well, but you understand what I mean. So, so you know what Paul says? Hey, look, 
during these times of emotional fragility, you need to make sure that you are doing things right as a couple. All right, look at verse number 15. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. Saved from what? Deception. Look at verse 14. All right, there are times in your life, ladies, where it's a little easier for you to be deceived. And so he's saying, look, if the couple does this, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety, she can be saved from deception during a very emotionally vulnerable time in her life. So the word saved does not always be a reference, listen to me, to the salvation of your soul. So we're talking about the helmet of what? Salvation. Salvation. So the temptation is to go, well, the helmet of salvation must refer to the fact that you know, I've got, I've got, uh, I'm a born-again Christian, and this helmet is connected to it. Now, look, you, you could not experience the salvation that I'm about to tell you about without first being saved in your soul. But the helmet of salvation, you know what it has to do with? It has to do with having a mindset of looking forward to the day when the Lord gets you out of here. And if you don't believe that, look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And let me say this, as far as the salvation of your soul, you don't hope you're saved, you know you're saved, all right? Uh, But the Bible says, in reference to Jesus Christ coming back, looking for that blessed what? Hope Hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Look at Romans chapter 8. By the way, thank you for filling in the blanks. I've preached at churches like, the Bible says, looking for that blessed, and they just stare at you. So thank you for for jumping in there. That's a blessing. Look at Romans chapter 8, and look, if you would, at verse number 23. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 23. And notice what it says. And not only they, talking about creation, but ourselves also, believers, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Bible calls that, if you're you're taking notes, the earnest of our inheritance. It's like the, the down payment for you. When you got saved, God put the Holy Spirit inside of you. He calls it the earnest of your inheritance, all right? Because as the Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 30, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of what? Redemption. All right, so, so God puts the Spirit of God inside of you, kind of like layaway, right? And he's going to come back, and he's going to do what? He's going to finish the job. God doesn't leave things unfinished. And so guess what? When you got saved, God saved your soul. Your spirit was born again. But there's a party that has not been changed, that has not been placed in the perfect image of Jesus Christ. Your soul already has that image, but your flesh doesn't. That selfishness and that meanness and that rudeness and that envy and that pride and all of that, that's not God, that's the old man. But he's going to fix it someday. Can you imagine, listen to me, can you imagine going to a place where you don't have to watch what you think? No guarding your thoughts. Imagine this, guys. Someday you cross over on the other side and you've got that sword of the spirit and you've got that shield and you've got those feet shod. And the Lord says, hey, son, hey, guess what? I'm glad you fought that fight. Guess what? There's no fighting up here. You can take that helmet off. There's no darts up here. Don't worry about it. Matter of fact, uh, after the judgment seat of Christ, uh, I'll just fill in the blanks here. We're going to go down to a battle, and you won't even need all that stuff. We're going to go down there, and you'll be just fine. <laughs> you have a glorified body. They're going to shoot at you. It won't do a thing. You're going to climb uh, vertically on walls. This is what the Bible says in the Old Testament. Some of you think this stuff's like sci-fi. This isn't in your Bible, all right? Hollywood has nothing on the Bible, by the way. And, and he says, hey, take that helmet off. You won't need it up here. I can't wait for that day. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, look, if you would, at verse number, uh, let's finish verse 23. Verse 23. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. All right, look back at verse 15. Notice he says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. So you already have the spirit of adoption in you, but you've not received the adoption of your flesh yet. Your flesh has not been changed. let Let me say it like this. Your flesh is not saved yet if you're a born-again child of God. That's why you still fight it. But someday you're going to get a new body fashioned in His image. Look, if you would, at verse 24. For we are saved by what? Someone that doesn't know their Bible would say, see, I think that means you can hope you're saved. No, no, He's not talking about the salvation of your soul. He's talking about the salvation of your body. (laughs) For we are saved by hope. Talking about looking forward to that event, looking forward with patience. Look at verse 25. And he t- in verse 26, he talks about the Spirit helping our infirmities right now. Why? Because we've got them in the flesh, but we won't when we get there because you're going to get a new body. <laughs> Look at 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 
1 John chapter 3. I can't wait for this day. Look what it says here in 1 John 3. Look at verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, that you have that right now. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Future event. You see that? You are now the son of God, but it, it does not yet appear what you shall be. Why? Because there's something in the way of what you're going to be. You know what's in the way? This. You know what you're looking forward to? The salvation of this. Now, if none of this other stuff made sense, look, if you would, at verse number two. It doth not yet appear what we shall, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse three is the main verse. And every man that hath this hope in him, what? You want to live a, cl a clean Christian life? You want this to be clean? You know what the helmet of salvation is? It's applying the thoughts of your life to the fact that this isn't everything there is to this life. This isn't everything there is to your life. There's eternity. <laughs> There's the day the Lord's coming back. You ought to be living your life if you're a born-again Christian. And if you don't know all about this, stick around, come back to church, you'll learn more about it. You ought to be living your life in light of the rapture, in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back someday. And I pray it soon. <laughs> And, and when he does, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last time, your body's going to be changed into incorruption. And your body's going to be saved. And he says, I want you to live in light of that. Why? Because when you live in light of that, it changes how you live. When you get in, uh, in the quagmire and all the, all the garbage of this world, and you kind of get mired down with that, you know what you start to think after a while? This is all there is to it. And even if you're saved, you start thinking that way. And it's all about the job, and it's about the bills, and it's about this, and it's about that. And it's everything down here. This isn't all there is. This is a blip on the radar. You know what the helmet of salvation is? It's you putting on the mind of Christ, looking forward. You know what the Lord's looking forward to? The day that you're conformed to his image. You know what you ought to be looking forward to? The day that you're conformed to his image. The helmet of salvation is saying, Lord, I'm going to think like you think. And I'm going to look forward to that day. This is the filter I'm going to use in my life. If you came back right now, should I be thinking about this? If you came back right now, would I, would I want to be dwelling on this? Would I want to make this my goal? Would I want to make this my next step? Would I want this to be what's leading me? And I would say, that's the filter, Christian. The helmet of salvation, yes, it's connected to the fact that you are saved and you got saved and you trusted Christ, your Savior. But it's really tight. If you don't believe that, look at Isaiah 59 and we'll be done. Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59. Now, I made a statement at the beginning of this, and I want to finish that, that thought because I, it may not have made sense. And I said this. I said that the Lord made this fight with the devil as fair as he could have. You say, what do you mean? He let the devil take the first punch. Okay, if you don't believe me, Genesis chapter 3, you're going to bruise his heel. Who took the first punch? The devil swung first. And God said, okay. You know why? Because he gets the last laugh in the end. You can smite his heel, but in the end, he's going to trample your head, devil. Uh, look at Isaiah chapter 59. Look, if you would, at verse 17. Isaiah 59, verse 17. Isn't it amazing that the battle that was started in the Garden of Eden, that shows you something about the nature of God, how patient he is. He says, devil, you, you go ahead and hit first. I know I'm going to win in the end. Aren't you thankful to be on the winning side? Look at Isaiah 59, look at verse 17. For you put on righteousness. I, re I read this a couple weeks ago. We talked about the, the, uh, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. And look at this. For you put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of what? Upon his head. And you read that chapter, you know what he's talking about? He's not talking about the cross. That's where the devil took his strike. He's talking about when he comes back. And 2A is not a reference to your second amendment, right? This is talking about the second advent of Jesus Christ. All right? This is where the Lord comes back, and you know who? He makes the last strike. And you know what he's talking about in that passage? He's talking about the Battle of Armageddon. And he talks about this helmet of salvation. So let me just say this. I'll sew it up with this thought. All this has to do with is when the Lord comes back and gets rightfully what's his, starting with you. You know what he's going to get once and for all, forever and ever and ever? You know what he wants right now? He wants your mind. He wants your mind. Are you willing to give it to him? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. You can move this in the corner for me. Father, we thank you so much for the time and the word. Lord, thank you for Bible study. And uh, Lord, look forward to learning about every single piece of this armor. Lord, thank you for 
Lord, loving us, thank you for dying for us. God, thank you for the opportunity to learn about putting on the whole armor of God. Lord, I pray that you help every believer in here tonight to arrange their thoughts and their mind and their thinking not solely based on what they want right now, but who they're going to be in eternity, who you've called us to be. Lord, therein lies the the power of the helmet of salvation, or the ability to not think as we are now, but to think as we shall be. And Lord, we never have a shot of even having that hope without you dying for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing all the mistakes and all the sin and all the garbage in our lives and still loving us and dying for us. And and then calling us to, to fight alongside of you for righteousness sake. Not a political battle, Lord, not a not a physical one, spiritual one. Father, I, I ask that you would help us have the mind of Christ and think more like you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, take advantage of the altar if you need to. And pray where you're at if you need to. Hey, if you're picking up that helmet every day and you're running with it, praise the Lord. Keep doing it. But if you're allowing your thinking just to kind of maybe get a little cluttered, a little little all over the place, maybe just pause tonight. Maybe, maybe, maybe for you, it's not, oh, my mind is so dirty. Maybe it's simply, my, my mind is so cluttered. I, I, I can't think clearly about what it is that God's trying to say to me. I open up my Bible in the morning out of routine and I read it, but I'm not I'm getting nothing. Maybe, maybe that's what the problem is. Maybe you say, Lord, I, I want a clear mind. It's not just always I want a clean mind. Yeah, that's a great place to start. I want a clear mind. I don't want a cluttered mind. We got young people and we try to tell them, hey, you are, uh, someday all the pressure on you from the peers, you won't care what they think about you, but as you get older, you know this, there's still pressure. It's not high school pressure, but you got, you got things that, you, and you need to not allow yourself to be conformed to the image of this world or the peers or what other family members think or what someone else says. Allow yourself to be conformed to the image of his son. Allow God to change you, starting with your thoughts. Can I give you an example? I don't deserve this, God. We've all said it. Maybe not out loud, but we've thought it. You know how it ought to go, God? This hurts. I don't like it. But Lord, would you help me to see this from your perspective? Lord, if I can find a way to do something miraculous and give you glory through this, would you help me? You see, what is that? That's a thought. You're in, you, you can do that. You can turn your ship around by how you think. I'm going to tell you right now, you know where a lot of Christians are at? As long as I can just kind of do my own thing and kind of keep it there, well, you're not, you don't have on the helmet of salvation. You're not thinking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul says, Paul says, that when he talks about fighting a good fight and finishing his course, he says, henceforth there's lit up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. See, what did Paul put on? He put on the helmet of salvation. He's looking forward to that day. He's looking for that blessed hope. The song that Joe is playing tonight is, Be Thou My Vision. Lord, let me get my my spiritual and emotional eyes on you. Lord, let me get them off of me. Let me get them off of others. Over there in Matthew 17, there's a story about Jesus and Peter and James and John. And they go up on top of this mountain. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And that basically is a big fancy word that just means that, man, during their time on that mountain, Jesus looked completely different and 
Moses and Elijah showed up and there's this miraculous event and the Bible says that after hearing that thunderous voice of God the Father speak from heaven which Peter talks about in his letter, letter epistles and when they hear that and they're kind of full of fear in that moment the Bible says when they lifted up their eyes after all that they saw Jesus only you know what that is that's a picture of where you want to get as a Christian get your thoughts on the right person get your thoughts on the right place Hope you got something from the Word of God tonight.